farewell to the summer. Welcome to Hunt of Pod. Boys and girls, welcome to episode 330 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly, and this week I'm joined by Andres. Hello, welcome. And English Dan. Hello. Welcome, gents. Uh, we'll go over the results from the weekend, just gone first of all, but before we do that, so not quite first of all, um, even more first of all, zero of all, let's say, um, I need to mention our sponsors, Fanatis who are very generous in their support of the podcast, and through whom you can watch the Argentine Superliga and the Copa Argentina um, from anywhere outside Latin America. And if you're listening to this from the United States of America, then you can also catch the Copa Libertadores, the Copa Sudamericana, uh, La Liga, Ligue 1, and plenty of other competitions via their tie-ins with BN Sports and Gold TV in the US. Uh, you can get, if you're listening to Hand of Pod, a 20% discount on your first three months with Fanatis. All you have to do is go to fntz.co forward slash HOP and use the discount code HOPFZ. I'll say that again because Dan coughed just as I was getting to it. HOPFZ is the discount code. Um, do remember to go to fntz.co slash hop so that they know that it's us who sent you. Thanks very much. And without further ado now, we will get on with the results from the weekend just gone in the Superliga. They went as follows. Gimnasia y Esgrima La Plata 1, Newell's Old Boys 0, Aldo Civi 3, Colón 0, Vélez Sarsfield 2, Atlético Tucumán 0, a second consecutive defeat for Atlético, Union 3, Lanús 0, San Martín de San Juan 2, Argentinos Juniors 3, Racing Club 1, Belgrano 0, Patronato de la Juventud Católica 2, Defensa y Justicia 0. I'm going to apologise now, I um, should have warned you to be sitting down before you heard that score, mm-hmm. possibly. Tacheres 1, Tigre 3. Perhaps not sitting down as much for that result. No, not so. quite as much. Um, that's a third straight win for Tigre. Rosario Central 0, San Lorenzo 1. River Plate 3, Independiente 0, uh, San Martín de Tucumán 1, Boca Juniors 4, Banfield 2, Godoy Cruz Antonio Tomba 2, and Huracán 0, Club Estudiantes de la Plata 1. Which means that we have some things decided, a couple more things than we did already um, last week. The most Obvious of them, to begin with. Um, Boca Juniors can no longer win the title. They're still eight points behind Racing. Um, but the fact that uh, Racing also won their game at the weekend with only six points to play for now obviously means that it's a two-horse race. Um, the other main thing that's been decided... Oh, uh, Boca, sorry, also in winning that game, although they can't win the title anymore, they have ensured that they will be in the Copa Libertadores group stages, 
next season. They are eight points ahead of fifth place Atletico Tucumán with, as I say, six points to play for. San Martín de Tucumán were relegated, so there was plenty decided, actually, in that um, match in the Bombonera. Um, they are the only team so far relegated, and the other uh, thing I think I'm right in saying is that where are Huracan? They're on 32 points, so uh, River have been assured of at least Copa Sudamericana for some time. I think it was the defeat to Huracan. Did Huracan lose? They did, didn't they? Yeah, they I think that that confirmed that Atletico Tucumán have qualified, yes, it did, have qualified at least for the Copa Sudamericana. Um, this will be what their fifth straight year in international competition or like fourth that, yeah. yeah two consecutive defeats for Atletico Tucumán obviously they lost to River a week and a half ago and um, they lost to who did I say it was just now when I was reading the scores it's on a different tab already uh, oh I can't remember and, and they lost to uh, Belles just yes. uh, this past weekend um, mean that they've slipped out of the Libertadores spots um, most importantly of course because River leapfrogged them by beating them a week and a bit ago um but they have assured themselves of at least Sudamericana qualification. Um, in the relegation zone, it is looking very interesting indeed, mm-hmm. because Tigre have now drawn level with San Martín de San Juan and Belgrano. Obviously, everybody in this conversation now has played the same number of games. Um, there's no chance of San Martín de Tucumán messing things up by starting to win games, because, as I say, they are now relegated for certain Um this must but be the, really the first time Patronato have been out of the relegation zone since It's the first the start time of the since season, the opening yeah. weekend, I think. Um, yeah. Wow. Uh, the really surprising part, though, is Patronato's 2-0 win over Defensa y Justicia, mm-hmm. which none of us saw coming. Um, I did. And which leaves them three points... Yeah, you did, in that you were hoping it would happen. You didn't seriously expect it, did you? Well, why else would I have got up <laughs> at 10am on a Sunday to watch it? You know, I had full faith in, in my voice. So, so much that you got up an hour before kickoff. That that really is remarkable. That's I couldn't sleep. I tell you, I was <laughs> I was more anxious for the Patronato game than I was for Racing Belgrano. I tell that's you. awesome. A big team supporter uh, uh, wants that wants a, a, a much smaller team like Defensa Justicia to lose. Well, obviously, because well, yeah, yes, well, that's going to help us win the league. At any <laughs> winning winning all the matches, you were you you could become champions anyway. But uh, it's. Uh, I understand that. Anyway. At, at any rate, Patronato it's a bit of a silly. Um, sorry, that's a bit of a silly point. I mean, obviously, I want everything to happen to make it easier for Racing to, right. to win the league. It's okay, yeah. especially as a Racing fan. Indeed, yeah. if you're yeah. any other club, then you might be a bit more confident yeah. in their ability to it's close like, it out. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say, oh yeah, I really wanted Defensive Cordicia win just to make it a challenge. Like, I don't want a challenge. I want to <laughs> win by 20 points. Well, that's definitely not going to happen. This is true. Next year, um, Patronato, however. Thanks to that win, mm-hmm. are three points ahead now of Belgrano, San Martín de San Juan, mm-hmm. and Tigre, which is not a situation we were expecting to be in because we were thinking, okay, Patronato mm-hmm. aren't going to beat Defensivo Dicia. It's going to be really tight if Tigre get a win. Um, and suddenly, the fact that Tigre have gone on this fine run of form mm-hmm. might not end up meaning anything at all because. I think now, with six points to play for, and looking at the run-ins that all four teams have got, which I don't have up on the screen at the moment, but I did look at the run-ins at the end of the weekend, um, I, I make Patronato favourites to stay up, purely yeah. because of that three-point cushion now. Um, I think it's only fair to say that uh, their victory against Defensa Cordicia was more than merited, for me at least. Oh, definitely. Um, I think it was their coach, uh, Siago, who said after the game, look, um, we made him play on our turf. Our turf. Obviously, literally, because they're playing in Padronato's grounds. 
But metaphorically, as in playing this kind of balls to the wall, direct uh, guts or glory football, which defensive Odessia aren't particularly comfortable with, and I can't really remember a clear cut chance. I think defensive Odessia had one shot on target in the entire game, which by their standards is, is, is appalling. It's a team that creates a lot of chances, even if they don't always put them away. But Well, they uh, don't always get many on target either, but one is particularly low for them. Mm. And I'm just trying to now get the um, stats from the matchup. But it's it, like it 12 was, shots, but I think only about four of them were, were in the area. So very speculative. Yeah, which, which actually is about standard for them because they mm. like to shoot from range. Um, the shots on target, though, you're quite right. One on target. Mm. And... Uh, no big chances, according to Sofa No Sport. big chances. Um, whereas Pantronato created two and tucked them away. The the thing that I thought was really impressive, though, the first half, Pantronato largely nullified Defensi Udicia, I thought, from where I was sitting, more than by really intelligent defensive play, they did it by just kicking Defensi Udicia. Just bullying them, out, bullying them out um, of it, yeah, definitely. But in the second half, they actually started to play football, yeah. and they, they did it really... If they'd been playing like that all season... Well, they have been since be the new year, fun. at least. Um, yeah, the, the upturn in form has been absolutely massive. Um, and Defensive Justicia, in the other hand, I think they changed a bit. The way they, they have been playing since Boca, against Boca, they, they, they had a superb first half, and after that, uh, they changed a bit uh, their way of playing, uh, like with more long and direct balls than uh, the, the, the ball possession, that it was like a feature they had. Mm. Um, but it, I think it was more or less you could expect uh, defensive justicia to go a bit down uh, in the moments you have to finish the, the, the tournament. No, you wonder as well if the if psychological reasons are coming to play because obviously defensive justicia have a very young team who haven't been in this situation before, and I know a lot. You know, most of the focus has been on racing or racing t- uh, hold off the pressure of being favourites and go through, but. Imagine for even if they are a team that have nothing to lose, they do, do still have something to lose. They're generally kids of 23, 24 years old, like not with a great deal of experience at this level. And, and yeah, like being suddenly amongst the two teams who are, one of them is going to finish champion. It's, it's a lot of strain. And perhaps against Patronato, there was, a, there was a sign that they weren't dealing with it particularly well. We'll have to see what happens in two weeks now, because obviously yeah. won't have any football this weekend. Just regarding Patronato's upturn in form, though, I've just had a look at, um, since, the, since the turn of the year, as you mentioned, Dan, they have won five matches, mm-hmm. lost three, drawn one. Three? Which is, yeah, oh, yeah, against Botafogo, you Estudiantes ah. T- Patronato. Estudiantes, ah, Patronato. Estudiantes Tigre and Belgrano. They've beaten River, Atletico Tucumán, Huracán. Ah, one of those is in the league, sorry. Um, Doc Sud is that in, in the Copa Argentina yes. and Defensa Justicia um, so they've got four in the league four victories of six that they've managed all season and it's three teams who have been in and around the Libertadores places indeed, as well yeah. River yeah, and very, Defensa very well, laudable when they beat Huracan Huracan were also third to, uh, or mm, no maybe not third anymore but still very much in the yeah. Libertadores um, conversation which is another point we'll get on to in a minute because they're not anymore um, and then so, in another relegation zone uh, there are possible conspiracy theories because who did Tigre beat 3-1 away from home go on Tacheres mm-hmm. and 
who is also involved in the relegation battle and not particularly keen on Tacheres. Oh. Belgrano. Well. So, was that game a favour, well, favour to Tigre to try and make sure that their big rivals go down? I mean, <laughs> if, if it were a straight battle between Tigre and Belgrano, I'd probably buy that a bit more. As it is, the most probable scenario is still going to see both Tigre and Belgrano going down. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not really sure. Particularly, you know, like yeah. Let's, let's throw this game to our <laughs> let's throw this game to our opponents so that our great rivals go down. When the opponents we're throwing the game to have got Racing and River in their next two matches, hey, give them a hand. I mean, that's um, yeah. I, I think that they're shooting themselves in the foot regarding possible continental qualification as much as anything. Tashera we'll have to see who. We'll have to see who Tashera's have got in the last two games. That's all I'm saying. That could prove important in the time well race. shall we have a look let's have a look yeah who's going to benefit from those dirty quarterbacks cheats <sighs> let's see Tacheres in their last two matches are playing River and San Martin de San Juan interesting um, so well. that is almost definitely the Liber I think they might actually already be out the Libertadores um, yeah. positions aren't they but uh, it, it could have seriously knocked their um, Libertadores uh, their Sudamericana hopes as well mm-hmm. if they were hoping yeah they're at the 8th at the moment yeah. uh, but only a point ahead of the a lot of teams who are just outside the Sudamericana battle um, and of course if they're going to throw the last match as well against San Martín de San Juan to ensure that Belgrano go down then they ain't going to be finishing in the Sudamericana spots I don't think we shall see, so we we shall shall, see. We, we shall. what means more to them a Copa Sudamericana spot or Belgrano getting relegated. I mean, You're going to have to weigh up these options. It has to be the Sudamericana, doesn't it? I have you never met an Argentine football fan? Yeah, but I mean, I, I, if, <laughs> if, you're the fa- if you're the fan of a big five club, then I'm not saying that I share the feeling, but I can understand how I, I, it didn't actually happen. But for instance, when River were about to get relegated, mm. I can understand why Boca might have wanted their team to, to throw a game or why Racing supposedly did throw a game against Quilmes when Independiente were on the verge of allegedly, relegated. Allegedly. I can, under, I can understand how that happens even though I don't actually share that feeling myself. But if you're Tacheres and Belgrano fans, it's not like you're looking forward to seeing your great rivals in the division below you for the first time in, or, you know, in the second division for the first time in living memory. They're used to being in the yeah. second division. Why don't you just, just go all out for continental football? <laughs> Tacheres is playing for nothing, right? Uh, no, the Sudamericana. Oh, Sudamericana. Very much, yeah, in the Sudamericana yeah. spots. They're eighth at the moment. The top nine go into the Sudamericana. It's a very tight battle. We'll get on to the, the full standings in the league table um, after we've talked about some of the games. We've, we've already talked, in fact, about Patronato against Defensa y Justicia. Um, San Martín versus Boca was one of the more notable matches of the weekend as well. Uh in the first half, it was rather even. San Martín it was, yeah. Man, this is. Yeah. Um, San Martín took the lead, of course. Luciano Pons scored uh, with a, a tap-in, drew a nicely worked mm-hmm. move. He then made it, thought he'd made it 2-0 just a couple of minutes later, but it was correctly flagged for offside. Mm-hmm. I thought correctly. There were a couple of screenshots that showed him just level, but then I there think was one it was, half, yeah. a, half an instant later when the foot was still contacting the ball where he looked to be about just off. Um, if, if he would have participated of the... Uh, play perhaps the goal could have been awarded, but he mm. clearly wanted to to touch the ball. He didn't touch it, and that's why Caruso Mardi uh, protested the, yeah. the I think the man or, or the fork <coughs> or the, the other assistant. But uh, 
uh, yes, he he wanted the ball to or touch the ball at least. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a distraction to the the goalkeeper, so he was certainly active. Um, after that disallowed goal, um, Boca seemed to wake up, and until that point, they've been rather sleepy. And for the last hour, they were they were good. I mean, yeah, they, they were playing well. a team who are not very good at all. Hmm. So you have to bear that in mind. But four goals, four different goal scorers. I always say that that's a good sign of an attack that's functioning well. Indeed, you know, against a team who are fighting for their lives against relegation, you know, it's never going to be an easy game. Hmm. And for a good 50, 60 minutes, it was extremely difficult. But yeah, class uh, showed out, I think, in the end. Um, Boca realised that what they actually had to do to, to win and they, and they went out and did it. Maybe Lorinos woke up, I think. Yeah, he scored the second goal, as Dan says, just around about the hour mark. Um, it was quite good. It was, it was it yes. the best yeah, goal scored by an Argentine on Sunday. With a left-footed chip that around one, the edge of the, the penalty area. That, that was obviously Roberto Bruns in um, Olimpo versus I can't remember who. Of course. Uh, yes. Quilmes, was it? Uh, did you see that one? But I think Bruns or Uruguay. Oh, he is, isn't he? Yes. Yes, you're quite right. So, so we'll, bump, we'll bump Bebelo uh, up then. No, okay. We're yeah, doing so the probably second in that case. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it was it was pretty good. It was very nice, yeah. Um, very well taken. Yes, and Naitan Nandes slid home for the fourth very late on, bursting in from midfield uh, after Lisandro Lopez had headed in a corner for yes. the fourth. Um, and he, he made Boca, Benedetto uh, change the celebration of the goals. <coughs> uh, he's, because he's already the goal al- along with, uh, with Nandes with a mask like... Like like uh, imitating a mask, similar to to the Balas celebration. Uh, so the tongue the tongue is not anymore there. Aha! Uh-huh. In fact, I was doing something quite similar with my hand just then because I'm eating crisps. I don't want the microphone to pick pick up the crunching. So I was also doing a a Paolo Di Bala celebration. Um, I was going to say that I think the Boca have adapted quite well now to their new manager. They seem, they seem we, to we be mentioned getting, it last oh, yeah. week as well. I think you know that yeah. the Alfaro. A lot of us. Mariano particularly were very sceptical of him when he was first uh, signed and he, they seemed to be staggering a little bit in his first few games um, but I think that now he's he's clearly got them playing the way that they they're going to be effective I'm, I'm not really expecting any champagne football from from either Alfaro or Boca but for sheer efficiency they're, they're showing but it they're they look much bright, more cohesive breaking down teams yeah and, for and sheer they look, weight of numbers they look to me more like a team who know what they're meant to be doing than, than Barros Ecolotos who, who yes. for all of the attacking power and for all of the the goals and for all of the success you know two straight league titles um, didn't always seem to know what was going on when they particularly in some of the big games they were sort of they looked out thought and I just wonder obviously we haven't seen Bocca in any big games under mm-hmm. Alfaro yet uh, it's going to be interesting I think when we do it is yes and you watch Uragan play right now and you understand that Alfaro did something good because uh, <laughs> uh, now they are just the other way. The, um, um, the media have been talking since the weekend about the Alfaro effect, not just at Boca, but also the effect of his departure from Huracan. Um, Huracan lost 3-0 to Estudiantes, and we're re-watching that. Or, well, in mine and Dan's case, at least. I don't know whether Andres caught it, but we're watching it for the first time, or I am. I have my back to the, the TV, so I'm um, not watching it oh, again. sorry, they lost 1-0, not, not 3-0, of course. Um, and... I mean, yeah, the drop-off in form, as I said, has been stunning. At uh, the turn of the year, when Alfaro left for Boca, Huracan were third in the table, um, well in the Libertadores spots. Uh, since then, they have dropped to 
Anybody want to say it without looking at the league table? I've got the league table in front of us. Uh, the they are indeed. They're because tenth. I could have gone ahead of Independiente having won on Monday, but that's something they didn't do. No. Um, they have, since that happened, since Mohamed took charge in the 16th round, they, they won Mohamed's first game in charge, of course, against Central. They haven't won no, since. they drew because they played San Lorenzo. Oh, because that one was delayed, wasn't yes. it? So it's the wrong way around in this. Yeah, you're quite right. He took charge for the 16th round and then, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they drew the first game in charge against San Lorenzo. Then they beat Rosario Central and they haven't won since. They've gone one, two, three, four, five, six, seven matches since that 2-1 win over Central. And in those seven matches, they've got two draws and five defeats. Mm, and not it's good. Not, sometimes you look at them and go, well, it's not been the kindest fixture list. They played Racing, that was one of the defeats. Mm-hmm. But since then, they've played Union. Yeah, not, not an easy team to beat, but Patronato, San Martín de Tucumán, and now Estudiantes, none of whom are in fantastic form, regardless mm, of the no. praise that we've just showered on Patronato for their, their victory <laughs> um, at the weekend. The wheels have fallen off, really. Um, it seems so, yeah. I can't see them, even though they're only a point behind the Sudamericana spaces. I, I don't think that they're is any way they're going to get into them. No, we'll have to see what Mohamed does uh, once the season finishes. It could be a case of um, him being a square peg uh, in the round hole of this kind of pragmatic Alfaro-built squad, in which case he'll need to rebuild. Or it could just be the case that he's a very overrated coach, which has always kind of been my suspicion with Mohamed, who I think... um, He's not really done anything. I think he won a couple of titles with Monterrey perhaps, where everyone wins titles at Monterrey, basically, because they're one of Mexico's biggest teams. Uh, aside from that, I mean, Sudamericana with Independiente, but he also kind of had a terrible season, which contributed to them getting relegated. I don't know why that suddenly came in, but it's it's worth uh, <laughs> reiterating always. Uh, yeah, he's kind of one of these coaches who I think his name... His reputation very much outstrips his, his actual ability or track record. And a very short time at Celta, he had also. Well, yeah. Right? Exactly. Very, very short. And, uh, well, and if, he, if, he, sorry, if he keeps Auski and Rossi in the squad, yeah. I think that he can't expect any good there. No, indeed. Um, the other... Oh, what's happened to my scores? They've gone on to this. Sorry about that. Uh, Vélez looked pretty well organised against Atletico Tucumán well done to them they've had a good year unlike Huracán um, River the the Clásico we have to talk about mm. that a little bit don't we and I'm sure that you won't be too sad to talk about that either Dan. No, um, it, it was a good performance from River particularly in the second half it was a pretty bad one from Independiente mm. who looked second best to absolutely everything and the main news that has come out of that match is not that River are now three points ahead of fifth place uh, Atletico Tucumán with two matches to go in the race for the Copa Libertadores spots, although that is uh, obviously pretty important part. It is sad news, not just for River, but for the world of football in many ways. Not that I want to be melodramatic. It's not for Racing, but... Uh... Yeah. Calm, calm, calm down, down, calm down. Quite I like Quintero, I think he's a great player, but... Has, I believe that the technical medical term is he's done his knee ligaments um, and he's it's going to be out gracious, for possibly as much as three years recovering. Really? Uh, no, that was six no, eight eight months. No, he's out for six or months. Or, yeah. um, which 
has led to a lot of talk about how River are going to replace him, and the answer in the short term, the answer is they're not buying anybody. Um, they can't. They can't rely on the squad. <coughs> Only uh, for Copa Argentina, I think, or for uh, Recopa Sudamericana, but they didn't. No, there is no possibilities for Copa Argentina, for sorry, for Copa Libertadores, or well, Superliga is about to finish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there wasn't any point in that. Um, obviously, there's the, the Copa de la Superliga, but from River's point of view, if they're already in the Libertadores, yeah. well, it, it will have sense only if, if River finishes in the in the, the spot they are now in the Superliga because they will qualify to the repechaje or the playoff of Copa Libertadores. That's next year. Yes, of course, of next Copa Libertadores. <laughs> no, I think the top four. No, no, go straight the, into the group stage. The it? first three go that go straight, and the fourth go to the playoff. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, I thought the playoff spot was going to the winner of the Superliga Cup. Um, the Superliga Cup uh, gets another ticket, or goes get, uh, gives another place, but the, in the Superliga, if you finish fourth, you go to the playoff. Interesting. Okay, thank you, you for that. So, well, maybe there is a little bit in the Copa de la Superliga, but anyway, River have got Cristian Ferreira. Um, they've got Julian Alvarez. They, they've got not like for like replacements for Quintero, but they have other options. They Carascal finally made his debut. Uh, <laughs> the Colombian Neymar. The Colombian Neymar. And uh, yes. how, what did you think of him, Andres? <laughs> it was very short time in the pitch to to say yes, he will be great uh, or he will be awful, and he will have to live. Uh, no, it's no uh, spectacular, neither um, awful. It was. Yeah, great, decent, but it was short time. I think twenty minutes or twenty five in, in the pitch. He he was able to uh, shot uh, on target, and it was then the, the the following play was the the goal from Prato, the third one. I think it was uh, good, but he will Gallardo wanted him to go slowly, and now he will be perhaps he will have to go faster because of Quintero's uh, injury. Uh, um, unless he wants more Julian Alvarez and uh, Christian Ferreira to take the spot. Um, mm. and the overall <laughs> match, I think it was good for River, changing anyway, somehow. The the, the, the match was first River uh, with uh, incredibly not being able to score after, uh, despite having a lot of, of opportunities. Then Independiente improving a bit, and River suffering in defence. And yes, second half, like you said, uh, with the Julian Alvarez uh, jumping into the to the match and scoring at the following minute, I think, or the following play even. Yeah, uh, it was uh, practically his first touch. Yeah, it's definitely been a bold strategy throughout 2019 for Independiente to play, uh, or even having the squad a an out and out striker or a centre forward um, hasn't really paid off. I don't think after losing uh, Giliotti, you would have mm. thought he'd be someone you should probably replace because, you know, he's still second top scorer in Superliga. Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. Um, Incredible. No, uh, Independiente aren't looking great. Yes, because he has to... Be Holland has must, um, uh, like, uh, um, build a number nine, like, or, or lying. It's a liar number nine because it, uh, Martin Benitez or, or Romero aren't... aren't uh, uh, natural strikers or the the central strikers are more like uh, I wouldn't say wings but more uh, second, strikers. second strikers yeah. or to play outside the box not in like Higlotti surely given you know the idiosyncrasies and the general style of Superliga the Argentine top division like sometimes you just need someone in the box to bang it in like it's not that difficult no well they need a Licha Lopez 
or anyone, no. uh, just a, a striker. Um, no, there's only one Lissandro, but a striker will do. And speaking of teams who are out of form, I don't want to herald the coming of the rapture or anything, but San Lorenzo have won two games in a row. Dun, dun, dun. They, beat, they beat Atletico Junior in the Copa Libertadores last week, as I think we mentioned when we recorded. Um, we did. And they got that 1-0 win away to Rosario Central in the Superliga through a 92nd-minute goal from Nicolas Reñero. Um, it must be the game well done, of, that wins the Borges Award for two bald men fighting over a kind, right? Why do you say so? Because they're both just dreadful <laughs> and not worth watching in any way. I mean, Central, I thought, picked things up a little bit when Paolo Ferrari was mentioned. Uh, was they? mentioned, was named. Um, I mean, they're but 20 yeah, it's still very something. Much, no, yeah, totally. I mean, it's still very much a lower third of the yes. table tie. Central, incidentally, earlier today, have unveiled a new manager. Indeed. He was on the television. He's not listed on this website yet, uh, which I was hoping he would be because I can't remember his name. Diego Coca. Thank you, Diego Coca. Yes, I remembered it was the former Racing boss, but I couldn't remember who he was. Um, so I, I can't remember Ferrari having been mentioned as only an interim coach when he was unveiled, but it would appear that he was. He took you say results of... picked up. They didn't win a single game. No, but they had a couple of draws, <laughs> well, which yeah. was better than the two consecutive defeats they'd had before. Um <laughs> And that's about all they didn't score a single goal. Thought, they haven't yeah. scored since drawing against River. Fuck. Yep, they've scored one goal in their last three, five, seven, eight games in the league. That's uh, not good. They did manage a one-one draw in the Copa Libertadores as well mm. against Gremio, um, but they've also lost as well, didn't they? They lost to was it Universidad Católica? Yes. Yes. Um, last week. So, in all in all. Not great for Central. Another no. last-minute defeat. Indeed. Finally, before we go into our half-time break, Dan, I assume that you'd like to talk about Racing. I would, yes, sir. Just as the cat walks between you and the microphone, would you like to say that again? Yes, I would, sir. Lovely. Right. How do you think Racing did, Dan? Well, they won. Um, it was another not brilliant performance I think from Racing it looked like it might be about 64 seconds in it did yeah um, <laughs> it took the lead as Sam says 64 seconds in through the greatest player ever to tread Superliga Lisandro Lopez he scored his 18th goal I believe of, of the season uh, sliding in and, and converting uh, after a pretty nice uh, Racing move that kind of got all the way down the left flank and then put Belgrano on the back foot um, and then yeah so that was 64 seconds in which meant we had many more seconds Indeed. Uh, let's say to make it easier uh, 88 minutes and 56 seconds um, plus stoppage time plus stoppage time of just wanting the fucking game to finish basically because um yeah, it's always difficult, I think. I mean, obviously, it's nice to have an early lead, but it changes the nature of the game somewhat, especially if you're playing against a team like Belgrano, who also needed... You got the feeling that they, if they looked at the last fixtures, the idea would have been to take a point from Racing right? and then and then try the luck in the last two games. Mm-hmm. Um, could be, yeah. And so, yeah, 
Uh, it was his seventeenth goal, by the way. I'm gonna seventeenth, yeah. yes. And I think okay. it was the seventh time he scored the one nil. Something like that, yeah. Or seventh time he's put Racing in the lead, or or some such. He's just had a fantastic season. He's been. Um, we're talking about this, or somebody was talking about this. Just the fact that he's pretty much been a man possessed in these last three weeks. If you watch the games, it's like he's thirty six, but he's suddenly turned into like a twelve year old kid. Hyped up on on Coca-Cola, just tearing around, fighting everyone. You get the feeling that he's absolutely desperate to win the league for Racing and will pretty much stop at nothing to make it happen. Wait, had he already come back when you last won the league? I can't remember. No. If he, he came back right after that, didn't he? 2016, I believe. So a year oh, and a bit afterwards, yeah. Longer ago after. And he wasn't there the first time around. He was too young. In 2001? Yeah. No. Yeah, sorry, not the first time round, of course, that yes. you've crashed in the league, but you know what I mean. Nineteen oh seven, possibly. Um, yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, this means everything to him, and he's uh, during these kind of these last few matches where nerves are, are on a knife edge. Everyone's feeling the heat a bit. Just having this crazy old bull guy leading the way has been massive for Racing. Now what uh, that? Sorry, Dan. Carry on. No, no, that was that was pretty much the cool. end of the thought. What that win meant for Racing then, combined, as I said, as we said earlier, with uh, the win for Patronato the following morning, or, well, the win came in the afternoon, I suppose. It kicked off in the morning and finished in the afternoon. Um, over defence at Ijuticia, is there is now a four-point gap at the top with two games to go. Mm-hmm. Boca out of the title race, but Racing defence at in it very much. Um after the break, we're going to have a look at the run-ins, both for Racing and Defensive Udicia and for the sides in the relegation uh, zone. But I'll run quickly through the standings now. In the league championship table, Racing have 55 points. Defensive Udicia have 51. I'm not going to mention goal difference for those two because it's irrelevant. If they finish tied on points, then there will be a playoff to decide the league title. In third place, Boca Juniors have 47 points and are also assured of Copa Libertadores football next season. River are five behind Boca in 40, on 42 points with six to play for. As the cat starts plucking the back of the computer chair, which that's what the squeaking was, I apologise for that. Uh, River five behind Boca on 42 points with six points to play for, which means Boca almost certainly in, as Andres says, to the Libertadores group stage and River almost um, looking pretty strong let's say in the race for that playoff spot Atletico Tucumán a fifth which is the top Sudamericana spot and assured of at least Sudamericana football in th- on 39 points three points behind River in the Libertadores spot sixth Vélez Sarsfield on 37 points so five ahead of the non- Sudamericana qualifiers with six to play for. So Vélez probably back into continental competition next year. And then it gets quite tight. Seventh, Union with 34. Eighth, Atacheres with 33. And a goal difference for Union of plus five and Atacheres of plus four. Ninth, Independiente with plus five and a goal difference of 32. And then we have a bunch of teams all on 32 points as well, but with inferior goal difference to Independiente and out of the Sudamericana spots. Independiente are the lowest Sudamericana place in ninth. Huracan have 32 points and a goal difference of zero. Aldo Civi, 32 points and a goal difference of minus two. Tigre, 32 points and a goal difference of minus four. Yes, I said Tigre. 
which means if they get two improbable wins in their last two <laughs> matches, they could actually get into the Sudamericana, uh, as well as saving themselves from relegation. Or also go or, down. Or possibly also go down. Uh, Lanús have 31 points, and the goal difference of minus three. And then Godoy Cruz, I suspect, are a bit too far behind. They're on 29 points with a goal difference of minus seven. So it won't go down that far. But essentially, from Union in seventh to Lanús in 13th, you've got three points separating those seven teams. Is that one, two, three? Yeah, seven. Um, it's tight for the Sudamericana, mm-hmm. in other words. We will know more in a couple of weeks' time when we've only got one match to go. But at the moment, we're still none the wiser as to who's going to get in, I don't think. Not Other so. than Huracan probably won't because they're in terrible form. Mm-hmm. Um, in the relegation battle, as we say, San Martín de Tucumán have been relegated. Tigre, San Martín de San Juan and Belgrano de Córdoba are all on 87 points from 80 matches. Patronato are on 90 points from 80 matches. And Gimnasia y Acrima La Plata and everybody above them are safe. Gimnasia have got 95 points, which means they're eight ahead of the those three tied teams uh, with six points to play for. Um, I've just done a quick bit of maths and Argentinos are also already safe. They're divided by fewer points, so I just needed to check it. Um, which means that it is between those four teams, Tigres, San Martínez, San Juan, Belgrano and Patronato. One of those four will stay up. The other three will go down along with San Martínez, Tucumán. Um, after this break, we well, during the break, we're going to have a look at the run-ins uh, for these teams and then for the title race and also for um, the teams in the Sudamericana race. Uh, and we will talk about what we think is likely to happen after the break. And we will also talk about the national team, who, of course, are playing a few, a few, no, two, two. just a couple of friendlies in the next few days. I said that we were going to make a decision while the break was going on, but um, we haven't done. We have got the run-ins all up on the screen, at least, so that's something more organised than we normally are. We'll start with Racing and Defensive Leticia. The title race, the last two weeks. Uh, Racing's run-in is away to Tigre when the league resumes after the um, international break. Yes. My brain just shut down for a second there. And at home to Defensa y Justicia. Defensa Justicia's run is at home to Union and away to Racing, obviously. Um, I should clarify, although we're not yet talking about the national team, we'll do that in a few minutes, that um, apparently uh, Scaloni, Lionel Scaloni, the Argentina manager, has said that he's not going to use Racing or Defensa Justicia players in the second friendly uh, against Morocco next week. Because he doesn't want them to get back too tired to then decide the league in a nice, fair manner after that. Which is very nice of him, isn't it? Just kind, um, yeah, I guess. It, it might, in the case of Matias Saracho, mean that he doesn't end up playing at all. Because apparently, uh, Gonzalo Montiel really impressed uh, the, the technical team in training today. And they're thinking about using him at right back in the first game. And that might mean that Saracho doesn't play at all in the second Sarabia. game. Sarabia, not Saracho. Sarabia, sorry. Yes. Uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves there. We're not on the national team yet. So... Racing and Defensive Uh Tigre and Union, followed by each other. 
yes. respectively. Along with the four-point cushion that Racing enjoy, it, it's going to be Racing, isn't it? It should be, yeah. It, it, it really should be. It feels a bit be. anticlimactic now, because I genuinely thought we were going to have a last last weekend showdown, and I don't think we're going to now. I'd be delighted to, uh, to avoid that. But it does seem that Racing will not have a pitch to celebrate on, because, well, logically enough, Tigre have said they don't want uh, away fans in that last game, and there was a... An initiative to try and open El Cilindro for the last game for the game against Tigre. Oh, they wanted a giant screen, didn't they? They wanted a giant screen, but that seems to be quite impracticable uh, because basically Racing have to play in that same ground the following week, mm-hmm. and uh, that means they wouldn't be able to open up the pitch for for fans to stand on. You'd have to keep them in in the terraces in in the stands and. I think you can't see the big screen from every every angle, so Racing would be in the position of having to put about four big screens in for the single game, and and also for a for an event which they obviously couldn't charge people to go to. Right. Okay. So it yeah just doesn't make a whole load of Why sense. Why could they not charge people to go to it? I'm interested. Because that's a bit. Is there something in club statutes so you can only charge for a live game, or is it just? Something I think just because wouldn't people wouldn't like it, yeah. So it's, it's not that it's <laughs> not allowed, it's just that you it's can't. It's just not on, really, okay. yeah. No, I was just wondering whether there was something in the club rules about it. Because, yeah. of course, Racing, quite famously, uh, did once fill a stadium when there was no game taking place in the stadium. Uh, and <laughs> so. also when there was a game, but uh, Vélez yeah. for 2001. Mm. Yes. I, I think that uh, Racing are so used to suffering then this won't be the exception and they will uh, win the, the Superliga against Defensive Justicia in the, in the last... So you, you reckon they're going to drop points against Tigre? Uh, no, but I think... Well, may, maybe... Yeah, they could draw and Tigre in, and Defensive Justicia win against the defense, uh, Union. That would mean we'd have a two-point gap going yes. into the, um, the final weekend. Yes. The, the only way, I think I'm right in saying now, that we can get a playoff an, like an actual playoff rather than a virtual playoff of that last weekend uh, is if Racing draw no, no hang on if, if Racing, Racing lose, lose defensively this year draw, year, draw yeah. or if Racing no yeah that's the only if Racing ones. draw and defensively this year draw no then the, the gap's yeah. four points yes, isn't it? of course yes. yeah, they have to look uh, to uh, still be the possibility of a, of a uh, final let's say yes they have to lose and, and defensively this year draw yeah um, but yes um, but realistically, Racing have, have yes. got the league. Much mm-hmm. as Dan might not like to say it out loud, I'm going to say it out loud for him. So we can close those two tabs. Uh, that doesn't mean, though, that this is the last that we've heard of Racing and Defensive Odisia in this little run-in talk. Because they're both playing some of the teams involved. So, Sudamericana battle. Let's just have another look at the positions again. I have decided to look for the run-ins here of Union. Tacheres, Independiente, Huracán, Aldo, Civi, Tigre, and, oh, I didn't get Lanús up, and Lanús, which those are the, as I mentioned, seven teams uh, who are separated by just three points. Of the seven teams I've just read out, one, two, three of them are going into the Sudamericana, and the other four are going to miss out on the Sudamericana. Um, and they, uh, why have I got Aldo Civis up there? Where are Aldo Civi? Oh, they're 11, sorry, yeah, Aldo Civi are there as well. I can't remember whether I, I must have just read them too quickly. So, I should have put these in the right order, shouldn't I, first of all? Uh, which I haven't done, because I'm silly. Huracan, however, let's get them out of the way first. 
because I think Urakan probably aren't going to qualify. <laughs> Not because they're too far off. As we said earlier, they're only a point off the Sudamericana race. But they're in such bad form. They're away to Newell's this week. Not this week. In a week and a half. And I can't see them winning it. No. No, well, Newell's are pretty Newell's, bad as no, well. Newell's yes. are brilliant, but Urakan are shite. They are. Um, and Atletico Tucumán at home on the last weekend is probably going to be an Atletico Tucumán win. We shall see. We um, shall see. If, if Atletico, of course, win their their own next mm-hmm. match, um, then they will go into that last weekend still with the possibility of qualifying for the Libertadores should they win. Um, they will If they win, then they won't be any further than three points behind River. Um, so that will still be a possibility for them. So I'm going to close the Huracan tab and we will get going. Aldo Civi are away to Atletico Tucumán and then at home to Boca Juniors. So that's Atletico Tucumán's other match to uh, neatly indeed it is, yes. close that circle. Um, Tigre, we'll leave Tigre till last because they overlap of course with the relegation battle which we're also going to mention. Um, and I'll just check that these are, yep, these are the other relegation teams which means these are the Sudamericana ones. Uh, Lanús, who are way down in 13th place but only two points off the Sudamericana spots are finishing up at home to Belgrano and then away to Belles mm. I don't think they'll get that if mm. only because Belles in their current form should get the win at home I think yes. yeah. yeah so we're going <laughs> to exclude Lanús from this as well um, Tacheres home to River followed by a way to San Martín de San Juan. Yeah, you say the ideal situation for Tacheres <laughs> would be to seal a Sudamericana place by beating River and then have everything in line just to throw it against San Martín and, and condemn Belgrano to the best. Hmm. That could That's well be. We but they want to go <laughs> into the last match wanting to lose, is what you're saying, essentially. Indeed, yes. Um, yeah, River, however, are on quite a good run of form. Um they, of course, started off the year with those three consecutive defeats in their th- three of their four games in hand. Since then, uh, they're unbeaten in all competitions. Um, ten games, I think it's, what's that, seven? Oh, that's 11 games. Seven wins and four draws. Um, so it's not going to be easy for Tacheres, that one. Um, but they are currently in the Sudamericana spots, which should help them. And I think they, they ought to be expecting three points, I think, from San Martín de San Juan if they go there needing and wanting to win. Let's uh, leave conspiracy theories aside for the moment. Sorry, Dan. That's her. Uh, Defensa y Justicia away and the Estudiantes at home are the remaining opponents for Unión, which, after Defensa y Justicia's wobble this weekend, I'm just thinking, you know, Unión could take something from them. Yeah, you won't rule it out. So. Um... Certainly Estudiantes at home ought to be three points, given Estudiantes' form at the moment. And that, Union, of course, as well, are the, the most, in as much as any of the teams we've picked out are comfortable, Union are the most comfortable. They're on 34 points. Um, so I'm thinking, it looks to me like Union, Belles, mm-hmm. oh, Belles, sorry, the most comfortable. Yes. They're on, I'm not sure why I've picked Belles as running out, actually. They're on 37 points. Uh, Union, and then... I'm not sure of all of the others. It's going to be oh, tough. We haven't done Independiente. We haven't done Independiente. Independiente are finishing up. And this is where my internet decides to slow down. At home to Belles and away to Central, which looks like it ought to be three points. But they're in a really bad run of form. 
Yes, they're not being they've good at all. They've won one of their last five games, and they've lost three of them. Um, the wheels have fallen off. I mean, really, since the turn of the year. So far this year, they've only won two. Mm-hmm. And they've drawn a bunch and lost a bunch. Um, so I think Independiente are going to end up slipping out of, the, of, of that group. Um, I think it's going to be Union. I can see Aldo Civi and Manus getting into it. Ahead of Independiente? Yeah. Hmm. Because if I've just said Independiente, they're going to slip out of it. I can't see Uracan. Someone's got to slip in. Exactly. Yes. And I can't see Uracan slipping in, as we've said already. Um, so Union, Tacheres, Aldo Civi, I think, for me. Yes. Yeah. Lanús has have been quite better since Sand mm. uh, signed for Lanús uh, uh, precisely, uh, except for the last match in which they lost uh, uh, badly. Um, against whom? Union, right? Um, it was 3 0 away to Union. Yes. Yeah. yes. Um, but uh, they have been decent, so if, if you don't take into account that match, they could. Uh, why not? They could advance to to Americana, but uh, yeah, yes. it was it was their first defeat of four games, but they've actually only lost two of like their last ten. Uh, Lanús, so yeah, very much. Luis Subaldia had a rocky start when he came in five rounds in, but he's uh, settled the ship, particularly since the turn of the year. Yes. I think Lanús are going to be really interesting to watch in the Copa de la Superliga, uh, although the Copa de la Superliga itself is obviously a bit of a joke competition. <laughs> It's going to be interesting to see how they're doing that, and it's going to be very interesting to see how they're doing next year's uh, league campaign as well. Um, so we're going to get rid now of the tabs for the Sudamericana run-ins, which are all of these, so that I've just got a few left, and they will all be relegation battle. Um, that means these ones are all going. That one's staying. That one's staying. That one's staying. <laughs> that one's. This is very interesting to listen yes. to. Yes. Um, and that one is staying. Right, so... Tigre. No, hang on. Let's start with Patronato. Patronato are three points clear of the other three teams, okay? So four points will be safety. Indeed. Patronato. Away to Godoy Cruz and at home to Argentinos Juniors. They could do it. Let's see what everyone else's run it is. Tigre. We know this one already. We, <laughs> we know it by heart. They're at home to Racing and they're away to River. Daunting. San Martín de San Juan are away to Colón who have been in really bad form until a rather surprising 3-0 win away in the Copa Sudamericana last night to Deportivo Municipal of Peru. And then they're at home to Tacheres. Mm-hmm. And Belgrano are visiting Lanús and then hosting Godoy Cruz in their last two games. Two teams that end with Us. Yes. Um, as I said, it's a bit... Some of the tension is taken out of this by the fact that Patronato are three points clear, which we weren't expecting. And I think another part of that tension is taken out by the fact that Patronato, to me, look like they've got the easiest last day fixture. I would rather be playing Argentino Juniors at home than, you know, San Martin uh, uh, visiting. Oh, sorry, they're at home, but they're against Tacheres. Uh, Belgrano are. Uh, at home to Godoy Cruz, who are fantastic away, but they're not as as, as bad as Argentinos have been. And of course, Tigre are away to River, which is not an awfully long way off being the hardest fixture they could possibly finish with. Um, in short, I'm going to say Patronato are going to stay up. 
I'm going to agree. Of you like to contradict me? No, I'm going to agree with you. Good. Yes, they have at this at this point. I think that having, like you said, three points of advantage is uh, is crucial because yes. you have only two matches to go, and, and, and having three three points uh, ahead, it's really it's as a neutral for me. It's been a disappointing. Um, round of, of Superliga results the one that we've just been talking about because I was all I was well up for and it's looked for absolutely ages as if we were going to have a last weekend episode where we were going to be summing up at the end of the Superliga a league title that had been decided on the last day mm-hmm. a Copa Sudamericana race and a Copa Libertadores race that had been decided on the last day and a relegation battle that had been decided on the last day and of those now we're almost definitely going to get the relegation battle decided on the last day unless all three of those teams lose and Patronato win um, we're probably not going to get the title race I don't think decided on the last day anymore and the Sudamericana battle fortunately is really really interesting but the Libertadores might well be wrapped up by the last weekend as well so if nothing else it means that what episode is it going to be we're on 330 now so 333 is going to be a much easier episode to record from the timing point of view than we had expected but it maybe isn't going to be quite as interesting that's not me saying don't listen to Hand of Pod 333 by the way folks please do I'll let you know how it was uh, Sunday afternoon down the Obelisk or celebrating and all that so that'll be fun indeed um, any suggestions for the image of the weekend brought to you by Fanatis who give you the best image of Argentine football and you can check that image out at fntz.co slash hop um, and use the code HOPFZ for a 20% discount off your first three months. I would propose one which was kind of bittersweet, I think, after a pretty tough year, which included three different coaches and now a relegation. Uh, San Martín de Tucumán, their fans in in the grand old uh, neighbourhood of Ciudadela, up in San Miguel, uh, greeting their team uh, before the game against Boca, with fireworks, loads of colour, loads of just genuine support and encouragement, even though I think all of them knew in their heart of hearts that was going to be the last competitive game they had in in Superliga. And then after the fate was sealed, no recriminations, no fights, no clashes with the police, no uh, impromptu fires, just just support for a team that I think were a little bit better than than their overall league record would suggest. They did have some some interesting points in uh, in Superliga, even if results didn't really go their way at all. Um, and it were it were good good value to have, I think, in in Superliga for this year. I hope I hope we see him again soon. Hmm. They also greeted Carlos Lombardi, who may may have thought he was in, in Europe, not in Argentina, uh, because uh, of course it's. San Martín Tucumán did their best they could to to, to try to uh, uh, stay at the first division they could, but uh, uh, for a coach to uh, leave a club relegated, mm-hmm. that it's related and, and not being insulted is, is weird here. Uh, yes, as a regular visitor to San Miguel de Tucumán, I'm going to keep silent on, on those Europe comparisons. Okay, well... <laughs> yes, um... I, I, I will stick, I will say yes a a prudent silence I think they they call it in the business um, I will say that the, for me the image of the round is uh, Licha Lopez crying I, I think he was crying 
uh, when he was uh, substituted or replaced uh, when the match was ending uh, against Belgrano. There was also a fantastic one from from that game, which was one of Racing's uh, lifetime socios. Uh, an old guy who was clapping away mm. and pretty much on the verge of tears. I didn't want to say it because otherwise I'm going to be nominating things from harassing every round, but yeah, that was good. I'll, I'll leave the final decision up to Sam. No, I, I, I agree with both of those nominations. Let's make them joint winners. Oh, wonderful. Everyone wins. We'll be King Solomon here. Um, moving on to the national team. We're not going to talk about it for very long because I think it's always more interesting to talk about what the national team have, have just done when they've been playing for this round than what they might do. Um, in what are essentially two fairly meaningless games. Yes. Um, what's the news, though, from the training camp? Uh, we will not have Angel Di Maria. He was one of the guys who was called up to kind of lend experience uh, to this proto Copa America squad, along with Messi, of course, and Nicolas Otamendi, who has also dropped out injured. So it's pretty much the same kind of squad that Scaloni's been picking from the start. Um, yeah, Di Maria suffered some muscle injury, which left us all shocked, I'm sure, because he definitely doesn't have any uh, any track record of doing this on international duty. No. And we, in that case, there have been a couple of possible starting 11s floating around, but I can't remember any off the top of my head. I don't know if Sam, with his yeah, internet at the at the tip of his fingers, can enlighten us. I'm hoping that no, it hasn't. The, the page that I just opened does not have any such. Um... Or they suggested or wondered whether Pity Martinez could start there uh, replacing Angel Di Maria. Yeah, it's going to be either Pity Martinez or Marcos Acuna. I would imagine they're the two players who who fit the profile closest. Um, I, and I afterwards, after replying to him, I realised that you had been doing as well, Dan, um, had a, a short conversation yesterday on Twitter with Sid Lowe, um, yes. who had said that from his less educated on Argentine football point of view um, than ours, it seemed like a slightly underwhelming squad. Um, and I mean, More I, underwhelming I than the World Cup where Maxi Messa made it. I mean, I think in different ways we both sort of agreed with him, although you seem to be... Defending Scaloni about it a little bit more than I was. I don't think. Um, no, I, I was trying to remain neutral. I mean, it is an experimental squad. I can't see uh, what guys like Benedetto or Matias Suarez are doing ahead of someone like Aguero because mm. they're not um, talent stars of the future. They're barely stars of the current. I would say on um, on a worldwide level, yeah. but they're in there. But I don't know. Um, but the rest of the team, you know, including these guys like uh, Petzela, uh, Los Celso, Paredes, um, Saracho, you know, as a bet for the future, that kind of thing makes sense to me. That's the kind of group of players you need to be building around if the idea is to look towards the 2022 World Cup, which ostensibly is Scaloni's goal, even if he doesn't actually know if. He'll be in charge after the Copa America. I think it was Menotti just this week who said he's still under evaluation. So we might well have a different coach yeah. by the um, end of uh, Brazil. One of the things that, that I said to, to Sid was that I reckon that of the squad that's been called up for these friendlies, there are probably... My first point was Argentina don't have any 
proper world-class fullbacks. Um, I have to say apologies to Nicolas Tagliafico for that. I'd forgotten that he existed. I'm not sure he's yet genuinely world-class, but he's having a very good season, certainly, for Ajax. Arrizzo Sarabia, of course. And they definitely don't have any genuinely world-class midfielders. And that's one of the reasons that you look at the squad and go, really, them? But then you think, well, who are the other options? Yeah. Um, But then I said, I reckon of of that squad, um, to go to the Copa America, you're going to get... Two or possibly three goalkeepers from the current squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe four or five defenders. Maybe four or five strikers. Maybe that one many? midfielder. That many strikers? No, I think I went I'd for say, more defenders, in fact. Yeah. I'd say from that squad, you're only looking at Messi, Dybala and Martinez. Yeah, I mean, I, I counted them up and the total that I came up with was, I think it was ten of all of them. And I, didn't, yeah. I said maybe one midfielder of that lot, like nailed on. Yeah. Um, and and that's what I, I said to Sid as, as well. Like, I saw a core of ten players plus a few. Like, and I was wondering who, is who guy, you I think your ten or twelve players are done from the current squad. Ah, because I can top of my head. Yeah, the, yeah, three of three of those keepers. Um, then guys like Otamendi, Mercado. Uh, Christ, I think Sarabia is going to be in there as well, and possibly Petzela, uh, Lo Celso, Paredes from the. From the midfield, okay. Lancini, I think as well. You you think he's going to be there? Uh, then yeah, up front, you'd say nail nailed on from that from those forwards. Probably Messi and Dybala, hmm. and possibly Lautaro since he's seemed to be involved a lot with uh, with Scaloni. So yeah, that's yeah. around ten or eleven, right? <laughs> so I mean, and Acuna, my... yeah, I'm guessing it's going to be in there. My thinking when I was going down it was Marquesin, Andrada, Armani. Well, Marquesin and possibly Andrada, possibly Armani for the goalkeepers. Mm -hmm. Possibly both. I'm assuming he's only going to name three goalkeepers for the Copa. And we still don't know, although Sergio Romero seems to think he's not going to get called up. But Mm -hmm. there are one or two people I've seen suggesting that maybe Scaloni knows what he can get with Romero and therefore isn't calling him up for these friendlies, but will call him up for the Copa. So that, similar, that's why I think two or three goalkeepers from this current mm-hmm. list. Similar goes situation goes to Aguero, who's um, Menotti. Make, he said that he surely or for sure, uh, unless something strange happens, will be called up for for Copa mm-hmm. America. That they don't need to watch or to test him because, well, they it's know. Ridiculous to me. This is the last round of friendlies before well, you actually get players playing together yeah really, so you can build a system yeah, yeah. that that reasoning makes no sense to me whatsoever so I had those three goalkeepers and then the defenders I pretty much went with they're nearly all the ones that were at the top of the list that we're looking at Petzela mm-hmm. Mercado Foyt Otamendi Kahneman I'm not sure about but Tagliafico I think is definitely going to be in there and then as you say probably Acuna yeah. um, and then forwards Lionel Messi mm-hmm no one's arguing with that, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Paolo Dybala um, and probably Angel Correa and also probably, maybe a little bit less probably, but Lautaro Martinez as well. I, that, I think that was how I got to four forwards. Mm-hmm. The midfielders, I mean, Lo Celso's been in most of the call-ups, right? And Paredes, I'm not too convinced with the level he's... Uh, okay, more than anything, I'm not too convinced with the level he showed in the, in the Champions League last 16 um, which I was watching, of course, with, with great joy. I'm not complaining about the fact that he didn't do that well. Um, but I think that those two, really, are the only... Of this list, they're the only ones that I would expect to yeah. almost definitely be in there. It wouldn't surprise me if Lanzini or Di Maria or, or 
Not yeah, but you went so narrow. Whatever, we're in there. But I mean, not Di Maria. Yeah, I mean, no, it wouldn't surprise me if Di Maria ends up getting called up. No, no, not now. you mean we're talking about the Yeah. Yeah, we we shall see. Like, I can't quite see the logic behind this squad if it's if he's only wanting to see new players and then calls back guys like Di Maria and and Otamendi. It's like not to mention Messi. I think we all know what Messi can do. Yeah. Um, well, that's yeah. the other thing with him What's saying, oh, "I know what Aguero can mm-hmm. offer." I mean, you see, well, you know what Messi can offer, but you call him up. And you see any of the new of the new players uh, get, getting or or going. Uh, beyond this, this call-up, like, like for example, Saracho. Well, Saracho is not new for national team, but uh, Pereira, I mean... Oh, Domingo, sorry, you mean the brand new ones yes. for this particular... Domingo Blanco, I don't see Domingo Blanco, for example, for yeah. next call-ups. I, I can't remember mm-hmm. which channel it was I was watching earlier, but the uh, their correspondent at, in Madrid, which is where Argentina are training at the moment, of course, said that uh, the technical side, the phrase that he used was they fell in love with Gonzalo Montiel <laughs> this morning in training. Apparently, he, he impressed them a lot. Um, which, as the two of us who watch River more than Dan does, I think it's fair to say we would have been surprised if you told us that 18 months ago, wouldn't we, Andres? Um, but there we are. Potential new number four for Argentina. Um, well, I, pre- I would prefer, for example, Montiel being there than... Well, Salvio is not here. In the, but when he when the coaches try to put a, a midfielder in the, in the defence like... Marcos Acuña as a left back or Salvi as a as a right back. Mm. Uh, in that case, I prefer Montiel because of the position, not because of he, that he deserves being called up. But mm. yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, overall, I'm just looking at it and thinking again. The midfielders are all right. Marconi, yeah. then it's, it's the same thing I said before the World Cup. There, there's no central player in the middle of the park who is commanding the midfield for one of Europe's not top right sides and that's Argentina's mm, biggest problem I think not this. right midfielders except for well we could say Saracha but yeah uh, um, but anyway there we go we'll move on to Lister's questions uh, we have had a few fortunately not loads and loads Little Bird says how would you class <coughs> excuse me I've had a sore throat for a few days and you might be able to hear it's starting to go now after so much talking Little Bird says how would you class Julian Alvarez? People call him a striker, but he seems to play even further forward, sorry, right. even further behind than Suarez, who already toes the line between striker and number 10. Uh, we, I assume he means uh, him and his friends, ended up dubbing him a nine and three quarters, a phrase which I expect to be murdered for soon, deservedly. Yeah. I think mean, he's a false nine, isn't he? Something like that. Yes, he's somewhere that... between. He's capable, I think, as well, of dropping deep and pulling the strings like a number 10, but then I remember... Very early in his career, Gonzalo Higuain played quite similarly. Yes, a striker that can finish, but also collaborates in the playmaking, not being a playmaker, but uh, uh, being perhaps decent in both sides. Yeah, he's definitely more of a striker than Cristian Ferreira. Yes. Perhaps ironically, given that Cristian Ferreira scored a couple of goals in a couple of games fairly mm-hmm. recently for River. Um, but yeah, he's a sort of one of this new breed of playmaker. I mean, I think that if we'd been looking at Lionel Messi breaking through in the Argentine league if he'd never had to move to Europe at the age of 17 or 18 I mean okay, I know that Julian Alvarez is a little bit older than that he now did. we would have been saying the same thing he's not yeah, really a number 10 in the traditional Argentine and sense of the word but he's not an outright striker definitely played as a, more as a, even as a midfielder in the under 20s in the Sudamericano than as a striker uh, because uh, Batista uh, chose Gaich or uh, Romero I think yeah. as the natural number 9 and Alvarez being more a midfielder, but 
uh, running all of the, the sides of the of the midfield, mm. but not as a striker. Yeah, mm. uh, just in case anyone gets overly excited. By the way, I'm not saying that Julian Alvarez is as good as Lionel no. Messi, um, but I'm just trying to make a point. Tom Robinson. Now that a series on the life of Carlitos Tevez has been announced. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Who else from the world of RG Ball would you like to see follow suit and release a dramatisation of their life story? Ricky Centurion would be a fantastic. It's just, it's just writing itself as well. I was about like, to say it's it pretty well. much happening because one of the things that we should have mentioned beforehand is that uh, Ricardo Centurion has been in the news a bit in the last day or so, mm. and for one of the first times, I'm going to say. I would have reacted exactly the same way if I'd been playing football and somebody had gone in on me like that. I mean, you can question the, how wise it is for a professional footballer to just join in a what looked like a five-a-side kickabout in an indoor court with a few friends. But the goalkeeper came through and tried to kneecap him. Yes. And Centurion, said, and he reacted bit. exactly the same way I would have done. He, he sort of went off to the side for about half a second and then came back in and tried yeah. to boot him in the face, which... Um, <laughs> I can fully understand why he lost his temper. But the best part of that was um, Centurion then coming back on his own Twitter after Dennis tagging Ole and Taste Sports and saying, hey, oh, yeah. why don't you show this one? It's like Conche Sumari. And... Why, why don't you show the bit where I embarrass one of the defenders yeah. and then it's fat his, office work. Legs or something, and, and so they did. Um, it was all very funny. Other stars from the world of Argentine football, I would like to see a TV... Um, show made of their series uh, Maradona's been done I'm TV guessing he's got documentaries and whatnot has been Bielsa uh, in a document in a document documental or, or a movie or something mm. okay that could be Possibly. a good call I'm not sure that he has but that, that could be nice I was going to suggest another racing um, star a little bit more historical Orestes Omar Corbata is one who I would I think yeah. his story deserves to be shown to a wider audience. There is a fantastic yeah, anecdotes. The, the scorer of the twenty oh one for the championship of that time of that year. Gabriel hey. Eichborn. <laughs> he scored the goal after thirty five years from for Racing with not not being champions. I don't think that's so, enough to get a series out of that. Yes. No, it's a joke, of course. Hmm. River Plate in English says, can you please sniffle or sob appropriately whilst reading out the Quintero news? No. Uh, I didn't. We're professional. Sorry, uh, River. Um, oh, Little Bird says, sad music would be appreciated as well as an added bonus. Unfortunately, I didn't have the time to get the Hunter Pod um, theme tune composers uh, to, to do something else for me. He's a busy man at the moment. Ah, Dan Edwards has suggested Johnny Cash is hurt. Um, which I won't be putting in because we might get sued for it. Yeah. Tom Robinson says, can we finally agree that Bebelo Reynoso is the player Lionel Messi wishes he was? Of course, yeah. As yes. I said earlier, Beyond that. since Tom has not put the Argentine player, I'm going to reiterate uh, that uh, Roberto Brum's goal was better than both of them. Um, slightly sarcastically, of course. Bel- but it is brilliant. Look it up. Uh, Belgrano in English says... Oh, he's agreeing as well. Yes, make sure you play sad music for the team who just won the Libertadores. Meanwhile, some of us are fans of teams actually going through real tragedies. Um, Nick says, how hands-on is the media in Argentine football? This is an interesting question. This is the second time Nick has asked us a question, and he's come in with some very strong ones early on. Uh, How hands-on is the media in Argentine football, specifically the print media? For example, in Spain... There are several well-known sports newspapers in each region dedicated to Barça, Real, Sevilla, etc. Is this also the case in Argentina? I mean, 
uh, up to a certain point, yeah. Obviously, Argentina's in Argentina, a lot more centralised than Spain. Yeah, the so five the biggest, yeah, the Buenos Aires. The media. five biggest clubs are in Buenos Aires, and Ole is Buenos Aires is uh, sporting newspaper. So the coverage they give to those five clubs is massively uh, superior to the rest of the to the rest of the country. Then after. Then you can go to Rosario and read La Capital, their sports supplement, and it'll be all central news. You go to Tucumán and read La Gaceta, and it's all San Martín de Tucumán and, and Atlético. Although an infuriating amount of these of the provincial newspapers, mm-hmm. if you actually need, for instance, because one of your bosses in China has written to you to ask for a preview of a Copa Sudamericana game, mm-hmm. of a Godoy Cruz game or something like that, if you actually need team news on how Godoy Cruz are doing in the middle of the week, you go there, and it's nothing but stuff about Boca and River. Really? They don't bother reporting about news. I have to sift through about five or mm. ten newspapers from from some of the websites and uh, from some of the cities in the interior before I can get to anything about. They're not anywhere near as bad yeah. as the away teams. Right. Ecuadorian newspapers are absolutely terrible for even acknowledging <laughs> that there is a Copa Sudamericana game happening in two days. They'll, the most recent news story will still be about Rushuk Muna beating whoever at the weekend. It's a big story, it. to be fair. And not mention the fact that they're about to play that it, it's infuriating. Anyway, yeah. sorry, you call, carry also, on. You call also La Voz del Interior from Cordoba. Yeah, I mean, every, uh, yes. every uh, big metropolitan area has its own newspaper. Yes. And funny enough, they tend to sell a lot more than, than the papers, we would think. Uh, from just using our, our Buenos Aires base biased logic uh, would be the biggest sellers I think um, La Capital the Rosario paper is the second biggest selling paper in the whole of Argentina uh, after Clarín I believe is the biggest yeah. oh. and La Gaceta is something it's definitely amongst the four, the four or five top sellers I think mm. possibly La Volta del Interior from Córdoba is the third and La Gaceta possibly fourth La Nación, which is so kind of influential, let's say, in its editorial line, kind of its prestige, mm. uh, is something like sixth or seventh. It doesn't have a big, uh, a big subscription. I think it's something like 150,000 copies a day, something like that, which yeah, is peanuts, really. Nice no, peanuts, nothing. What I will say is, at least on the websites, I don't because I don't buy newspapers, mm-hmm. but on the websites, I've actually stopped going to Olay. Mm-hmm. I never visit the website now. One of the reasons is because there are a bunch of homophobes and misogynists and racists, and I don't like to give them the traffic. This is a fair reason. And another reason is that they, um, if you need to find out what's going on with any, even a Buenos Aires side outside the top five, oh, there now, is the big a, five, sorry, can, let's say. they very rarely update the pages dedicated to those clubs. Oh, um, this has been happening, and it's been increasing since the Primera expanded to 30 teams back in 2015. Mm-hmm. They used to have very good pages for every one of the, the Primera División, as it was then, Superliga, mm-hmm. as it is now, 20 clubs, um, giving daily at least a small, even, you know, for Crucero del Norte, um, mm-hmm. when, when they came up, um, you know, like a small daily update on what happened in training today, even if it's just one paragraph. And as soon as the league went to 30 teams, that just stopped happening mm-hmm. for most of the clubs. Top Big five, yeah. every day. Vélez Huracán every other day and anybody else Argentinos say you know one of the great historic clubs of Argentine club football they stop covering um, and yeah it, it's not great I think that would have to do with staff cuts more than anything just trimming it right down to yeah feeding the Boca River shite and, and whatnot. indeed 
Uh, Nick also says, how are Argentine coaches working abroad, covered in Argentina by the media? Are they proud that there are so many, and do they get reported by journalists much? Every now and then. No. Bielsa's... It's Bielsa, so he gets his own Yeah, press. Bielsa's a separate world. Yeah. Um, Pochettino, more or less. You have to reach a certain level before you get noticed, though. I yeah. mean, Pochettino now is being mentioned, but when he was tearing up trees at Southampton, mm-hmm. there were lots of people yeah. who, if you'd said Mauricio Pochettino is one of my favourite managers, they would have been what? like, who? What? And Martino, since he went first to Atlanta, then to Mexico, is pretty much just falling off yeah. the face of the earth. When, when, on the other hand, when he was at Barcelona, of course. Oh, every week. Yeah. Every day, yeah, almost. So now um, he hasn't, didn't get much, to be honest, compared, considering mm-hmm. he was at a club like Ramarid. I'm guessing because he lived so long in, in Spain, he pretty much wasn't considered Argentine. Well, and also I think everybody knew it was just an interim. Even when they said, oh no, he's not an interim anymore. Well, there was this recognition that's, that's only like because the Spanish league doesn't allow you to have an interim coach for more than a, a few weeks or whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's spotty. Mm. At the moment, you know, Pochettino yes. is, is fantastic because he's one of the best managers in one of the best leagues in the world. Um, yeah, they are mentioned when they uh, when they, they have something happens with them. For example, Barisa now has been uh, called or has been uh, has signed for the Paraguayan Paraguayan national team. Um, and Chilabert, of course, criticized that decision, saying that he's uh, of course he lost everything. Um, but yes, if not, uh, if if uh, that uh, wouldn't have happened, perhaps Barisa uh, wouldn't have been mentioned in the media. Yeah. Uh, Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, says, is this Tigre fight back to stay up all in vain given Patronato's victory? And I think we've answered that one already. It's definitely not been made any easier. Probably. (laughs) Um, uh, Belgrano in English has taken exception to one of Dan's things and says he's no longer going to be a Patreon supporter. He didn't like me uh, putting to music Patronato's victory with David David Bowie's Heroes. No, I know he didn't. he, he then says he's joking, but that's a good expl- uh, excuse for me to say. If you want to become a Patriot supporter of Hand of Pod and get some extra goodies each week, then please go along to patreon.com slash handofpod, and you can see the what's available there. And Jimmy adopted the, the, Cordobese, the, the Cordoba language with Culeado. Yes, he did. Yes. yes. Well done. Well done, Jimmy. Uh, Liam says best comeback you've seen Excursionistas 3 Central Cordoba 2 Excursionistas scoring 3 goals in stoppage time to come back from 2-0 down pretty good to 3-2 yeah. up um, it's yeah. difficult to argue with I was at Argentinos versus Independiente uh, in 2010 mm-hmm. which finished 4-3 to Argentinos after they've been 3-2 down going into stoppage time yeah. um and then, of course, they won the league the following week. But uh, I'm not going to say yes to Liam's question because I didn't actually see it. Discussionistas versus Central Cordoba. Um, next questions. Oh, we've only got one more. Oh, no, we haven't got any. There we go. That's it. The remaining mention was, was from Andres, uh, who mentioned that the AFA have opened their online store in China and he has uh, tweeted that. So I'm now going to retweet it from the Handlebot account. So it appears. Lovely. It's time for Mystic Sam. There isn't any Mystic Sam. There is no mystic set. Oh, of course there is. I'm going to week off. Brilliant. That, that makes the podcast need way to, easier to edit. You need to well. clean your crystal ball, I think, Sam, because there are no yeah. games looming out there in the ether. That means I don't have to put the Mystic Sound music in either, which is fantastic. It, it, it makes this podcast about 20 minutes quicker to edit. Um, 
so on that note, well, how, how do we think Argentina are going to do in their friendlies? Uh, on Is it Venezuela and Morocco? Yeah, Venezuela in Madrid and then Morocco in... Uh, I said Rabat before, but apparently it's been moved and I now can't remember the name of the city that it's going to be played in. Something, some city with T. Tangier. Tangier, thank you. Yeah. Um, how do we think they're going to do? I, I think that... They I'm should win stick both my neck them, out right? and say that Argentina are going to win both games. They should do, really. Andres, yeah. are you confident? Yes, I think that uh, <laughs> even with this uh, team, which you don't really know whether which players will continue for Copa America or and who won't, uh, I think that against Venezuela and Morocco will be uh, with victories and I hope Scaloni gets something from the team apart from that. Uh, I, I don't. Uh, I, I think that Scaloni won't will say, or I'm pretty sure he will say that the results aren't the most important thing, but to find the team that he wants. Yeah, which is brilliant, but... I don't think he will find me. Everyone's going to want him to win the Copa America in a few months, even if there's not much realistic hope of that. And of course, some people don't think there isn't much realistic hope of it. Hmm? As it happens, I'm one of those people. At least he admitted, which is, of course, good, because it sounds like he's uh, uh, realistic, that uh, Argentina is not now. It's not one of the best teams in the world. He had to to say this because I, there are people that still think think that that Argentina is a, like potential. I or think powerful. I think that this is going to be one of the topics that we're going to discuss on Hand of Pod Extra. So we'll yes, stop there course, now. Yes, we will um, say goodbye to this episode. Thank you very much for listening to us. And if you are a Patreon subscriber, um, then you can go over to Hand of Pod Extra and hear what we've got to say uh, in a little bit more detail perhaps about the national team for now thanks very much for listening to us for another week we'll be back to talk to you um, about how Argentina's friendlies went next week of course Uh, and goodbye from English Dan thank you and good night Andres thank you goodbye and me goodbye full-time score in the Copa Sudamericana to tell you about. I can't remember whether we mentioned it on the um, episode or not. I think we did. Union have just played Independiente del Valle of Ecuador, the 2016 Copa Libertadores runners-up. I only learned after the match kicked off that it's Union's first ever continental game. I was slightly surprised to hear that. I'm sure they must have played in the Sudamericana or Libertadores before, but they hadn't done. Anyway, they won 2-0. Um, they managed to miss two penalties along the way, one at the very end of each half, but even after the one near the end of the second half, they got a late goal to double the lead. So well done, Union.